Welcome to Vincent Price's Laugh. Good evening. Welcome. Hi, Elby. Hey, Andrew. What's up? The devil. The devil is up. Well, down. Well, somewhere. The devil's everywhere. No, can't be. The devil's in the details? Yes. Actually, both of these movies that we're going to be talking about are very devil in the details -y. Yeah. So we watched two movies this time, you guys. Andrew, what was the first one? Let us pray. According to our records, you are one Alexander Monroe, and you died in 1983, aged 79. No wallet, no ID, no phone, no keys. Just this book. Where is he? He knows. He knows what? Because the clock is ticking. Midnight is approaching. He said you know. Know what exactly? That the price of our sins is paid for in blood. I didn't even see her. Every last one. So who's first? Go to hell. Why bother? All the devils are here. At midnight, and the wicked must pay for their sins. It's me who comes to collect. Let us pray. Now that's P-R-E-Y. Because I like you. Or wait, you wanna eat you. Wait, because I wanna eat you. What? Yes. What? Prey, as in... Predator? Not, yes, Predator. Before we get into it, I don't know if this title really applies to the movie. Yeah, It, it could be know. called Precinct Chapter 13 or something. You know, something like... In Scotland. Yeah. Or I, I don't know. I say chapter because it has some biblical stuff to it. Sort of. Barely. Ireland. I don't know. It's a co-production between Scotland and Ireland. And it's totally great. And in fact, I think that if this was initially made in like 1986 or 87 without necessarily any John Carpenter in this world, this would be the John Carpenter stuff. People yep. would be all over this going, oh, it's so cool. But do you think it would exist with without John Carpenter? No, I don't. That, see, that's the thing. Not I... the thing, but it's the thing. <laughs> oh, lordy. That's good. Sorry, John Carpenter jokes, everybody. If you're not in on the John Carpenter... Then why are you listening to us? Then why are you listening to us? Welcome to John Carpenter's laugh, which is just a hacking smoker's cough. Really. <laughs> that's really what it is. A really curmudgeon -y... Yeah, it's a guffaw with a, a popping crackle in the throat <laughs> of all the nicotine tar. Anyway, no, I don't think that this would be exactly as it is. And maybe they didn't even intend it to be that way. But this type of movie, I think, really is in its bones informed by various John Carpenter's works. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. From the soundtrack to the setting, and I also think that it's very Stephen King. Sure. Like Desperation, maybe? Or yes. what's that one? Storm of the Century. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, let's get to the nitty gritty. Okay. The story is what? Real quick. Let's try to get through this fast. Uh, well, this really cool lady named Pollyanna. Pollyanna McIntosh. Yeah, she was in some other movies that we like, like The Woman. Yeah, well, that's the one that we really know her from but she's been in plenty more yeah I, I don't remember seeing the movie that came before the woman the offspring but she was totally she's a feral woman in the movie the woman and she's totally great she's really good mm -hmm. so she 
is a police lady in this movie. Yes. Is and she a rookie? Is she brand new? I think she's a rookie. Yeah. I mean, they, they keep referring to her as new girl. I, I was just wondering if she was like a new girl or if she was new to that precinct. Right. She just transferred there or something. Yeah. So, see, that's the part that's not clear mm -hmm. to me, but it's not really important for that to be clear. I, I made the assumption that she was a rookie. Yeah. A lot of people do, I think. But I'm not contesting that. Maybe she's a rookie. Maybe she's not. It doesn't really matter because she's awesome. Mm -hmm. So this really awful night occurs. There's this accident and... She... A mysterious man steps in front of a car. Yeah. She and... witnesses it go down, but the man has disappeared. It's just gone. And she takes the kid who's driving the car to jail. Yeah. Because it's a hit and run, obviously. Yeah, or something like that. Something. So the rest of the movie takes place in the jail. Yeah. In and out of the jail, but not her. She's always in the jail. Mm -hmm. The other characters come into and leave the jail. This is where it's like Assault on Precinct 13, where it's all... And, and basically a central location with a few extraneous scenes that are not. And a lot of craziness starts happening. The guy, uh, he's played by Liam Cunningham. Mm -hmm. He's the guy who was hit by the car. They put him down, and for the rest of the film, he's referred to as Six. Or... Because he's in cell six. Yeah, he's in cell number six. And he's strange and ominous. He has a lot of information on everybody. Yeah, he's one of those situations where, like, if you touch him, you realize that he knows your deep, dark secret. Yeah, so he's the guy that the kid hit with a car, but then he disappeared. So other cops are sent out to go find him, and then they do. They bring him back in, and that's how he gets put into cell six. He's got a bump on his noggin. But he knows a whole heck of a lot. Turns out that he very well might be the devil. That's a theory. Mm -hmm. Or he could be God. That actually was my first theory, is that he was God. Well, it's weird because he seems to be able to pass judgment on people. Like, he kind of offers salvation to the kid. A chance. He gives everybody a chance. A chance mm -hmm. to fess up. But I, I want you to know something about the devil. Historically, the term Satan is the adversary. Adversary was also used as the accuser. Oh. So Satan is the accuser. Biblically, I'm not well versed in Satan extra biblically. I mean, I don't know the book of Satan or anything. And I don't know other cultures' devils. But I do know Judeo-Christian devil stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the devil wasn't the pitchfork guy. He was a player in the background and he was the accuser so by accuser you mean that he knows everything that you've done and he will present it to you no he may not know everything that you've done because he's not god according to christian theology god knows all devil doesn't so devil's finite god is infinite mm -hmm. so he just knows things or says he does and he, you don't have to be guilty of anything to be accused of it that's true we certainly know that by our American court system. Exactly. Prisons full of innocent people. Slavery. But I digress. So, this movie though, there are a lot of corrupt people involved in the plot. Just about everybody's corrupt. Yeah. Let me run it down without getting into specifics. There's a bunch of police brutality. There is a hit and run kid that we already kind of said, but that gets deeper. And then there's a serial killer. Yeah. So, and then of course, there's uh, our hero. Uh, this isn't so much. She's, she's a past victim of some kind of domestic abuse mm -hmm. as a young teen. So there's all of these secrets. <laughs> you know, there's another thing to think about is there's a theory out there that they're in purgatory. Ah, I don't like that theory. I don't like it either, honestly. I think it's too much of a go-to thing. I mean, we've all seen Lost. You've seen Lost. <laughs> You've seen the movie Reeker and Reeker 2. Mm -hmm. 
It's more than a handful, but we watch a lot of horror movies or a lot of genre films, and it's, what's going on? This madness, it's just so confusing what it is, is it's a purgatory sort of situation, but right. it seems like a slasher. Uh, something's hunting down the people that are in the purgatory, and that's just judgment. Well, I was thinking about that too, actually, if this movie could sort of be a slasher, because they're, they're getting picked off one by one, kind of. Each each one is being confronted. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. The reason why people think that this is a purgatory film is because it takes place in one night mm -hmm. and everyone involved has some sort of terrible thing that they've done or that they're running from it's just there's no one else in the town I mean there's one or two people that we see who aren't the main characters so basically like there's no one around it's just this empty town um, there's no real use of cell phones or other technology like that everyone involved is some kind of like psychotic <laughs> person or victim of abuse um, it's so it seems that maybe this is a gathering of, of lost, terrible souls. I'm not so sure. Especially by the end, when the offer is made to our heroine. And I'm not going to continue on about that, because that's a really pivotal point in the film. Even though it's the end, it's important to not talk about it. But that offer is made, and I can't see it as purgatory if it's, if it's like that. Or identity is also kind of a purgatory situation, where it's inside of the mind of a madman. But there's a framework around that that exists to tell you that this is what's happening in tandem to the actual story. No. This story doesn't have that at all. It just presents it as this place is kind of under siege, but by the folks inside of it, as opposed to folks without it, mm -hmm. in a way. Not everyone is, anyway. It's such a fascinating film, and I've been putting it off. It's, by the way, it's on Netflix. <laughs> Go watch it. Advertisement for Netflix. It was really cool. I really liked how it was directed. I think it looks really cool. I can't get technical because I, I'm not that kind of person as far as my knowledge of, like, oh, cinematography and, and all that, but. Um, the score was. The score was really awesome. It's really good synth score. Starts off at the beginning of that way. A couple of times it gets into sort of orchestral themes but I think that's just for like one scene, yeah. one effect, and then it goes away and it comes back to synth. I want every horror movie to only use scores like this movie. Yeah, or John Carpenter movie. Yeah. So there's this movie. Let us pray. Right? Which, while we were watching, thematically or tonally really, actually more so tonally made me think of the next movie that we're going to be talking about, which is... John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. I've got a message for you. This is the shape of fear. You're not going to like it. This is the color of hell. What is it? And this is the power of the Prince of Darkness. From John Carpenter, director of Halloween. A vision of the most powerful evil of all. Prince of Darkness. Where are you? Rated R. Yes. So, they're completely different movies, except for the theme of the devil. Completely different movies, except mm -hmm. for that, and people are stuck in a central location. It takes place in one night. And they're confronted by what may or may not be the devil, or in Prince of Darkness, the anti-god. It is. Definitely. So the aforementioned film is not a scientific film. Prince of Darkness is a scientist approach to strange theology. Yeah, it has a lot to do with quantum physics, quantum mechanics. Tachyons. <laughs> it's true. I mean, the tachyons. What are those? I, I don't even know. Get me to define it and I will not. I just won't because you're too stupid to understand. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm too stupid to understand what that is. Now, they mention early on in the film, they talk about quantum mechanics. They talk about Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. A Schrodinger's cat. I know, I know. So what's the point? The point is, until the cat is observed by someone, he's not in any definite state, either alive or dead. 
He's in a wave superposition state. Both dead and alive at the same time. Huh? Okay, only when we open the box and observe the cat does he materialize into reality, either dead or alive. But it doesn't make sense. That is the entire complete point. It doesn't make any common sense. Our common sense breaks down on a subatomic level. Why do I want a PhD in this? Which is still a concept that I can't really understand. Well, okay, as far as I know, Schrodinger just proposed this theory. It is a quantum conundrum. It is a paradox. It is a troll it, on physicists. Yeah. It is. It really is. It's currently now, it's become revealed that he's just trolling his fellow people. But it's still a, an interesting mind game to yeah, figure out. It's um, it's called Observer Created Reality. Yes. What Observer Created Reality is. Have you heard of the double slit experiment? Yes, I have heard of it. I know <laughs> okay. of it and it's amazing. Get me to explain science stuff. <laughs> And I'm a dum-dum. I'm not an expert on this, and I don't really know if I can explain it very well, but basically there's two slits in the whatever you're shooting the particles through, like the board. And in one way, they make a line. What you would expect it to do yeah, is because, make a line. Because you would think they're, they're going straight through these slits, right? So it's going to come out the other side as just a straight line. But when you stop looking at it, you notice that instead of a straight line, it becomes a wave. Right. How the heck? Yeah, it's Crazy. So when you're looking at it, your expectations cause it to, or it just... See, this, where's the cause and effect of this? It's all in the mind. Basically, like, if um, it's like matter and antimatter and something only appears as matter if it's being observed. Oh, oh gosh. Hurt yeah. my brain. So I know, it's movie, crazy, right? Okay, okay. So... It's consciousness. Prince of Darkness tries and fails, I think, but it's still fascinating and I still like it a lot. It tries and fails to marry science theory, or not just science, but particle physics. With theology. With theology. And they have more than two kind of droning conversations about what the scientists that night are dealing with. Apparently a decision was made to characterize pure evil as a spiritual force, evil within darkness in the hearts of men. It was more convenient. In that way, man remained at the center of things. A stupid lie. We were salesmen. That's all. We sold our product to those who didn't have it. He lives in life. All of it. Reward ourselves, punish our enemies, so we can live without truth. We must translate this book. You must prove it scientifically. Convince the outside world. Which is a cylinder. Mm -hmm. That's been hidden in the basement of this church for many years. Full of green goo, which is the essence of not the anti-god, but the harbinger of the anti-god, which they are calling Satan. Okay, well see, I understood it to be like son of Satan. Like anti yeah, that's the harbinger. He's bringing, it's the same thing. I just used the different word instead of anti-Christ. Okay. They try to not do anti-Christ stuff. They say anti-god, but mm -hmm. they try not to get into the anti-Christ sort of thing, which is admirable, I suppose, because then you'll get trapped in Damien Omen and whatever land. <laughs> what I think is interesting about this movie is it's sort of a catch-all for a lot of different elements that are in a lot of horror movies. Like you have the theology, mm -hmm. you have the, I think there's like a, like an eclipse or something happening that night. I will not confirm. <laughs> okay, not. I think there was. So it's some kind of like celestial event. There's occult symbology, you know, with the, uh, yeah. the bruise on that lady's Yeah, the arm. branding sort of. Yeah. Looking thing, the uh, celestial staff. 
is what it's called. Right. There's demonic possession. There's a horde of zombies. Zombies, sort of. I guess that's more of a possession. Well, but. the vagrants outside are the influenced. They're the weaker-minded folks. So they're in proximity to this church that has the anti-god harbinger. Mm -hmm. And they're influenced. It's Alice Cooper and his gang. They're all not necessarily zombies. They're like familiars. Oh, okay, yeah. And there's a bunch of bugs. Those are the people that are actually... Oh, okay, there's some of these things don't make sense. The guy who, who falls into a puddle of bugs, I don't... He didn't get the juice squirted into his mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay, inside the church, this is such an old movie. We're gonna spoil things. Inside the <laughs> church, the scientists... Okay, it's got the other trope of scientists meddling with things they know not of. Yeah. So that's like men of science doing dangerous things and causing havoc. Yeah. But the liquid starts seeping out. It starts, it gets into some people and then influences them or basically drives them around. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that behave like zombies where you have to beat them up in order to get away from them or try to beat them up. There's no killing them, right? One of them was beheaded and she just picked her head right back up and put it right back on. Yeah, that was, okay. That was the scientist lady who was like, I'm tired, I'm gonna go back. And then she got all of the oh, liquid okay. yeah. inundated into her and she looked pregnant at one point and her body just kept absorbing the liquid. Right, so she's the... She is the harbinger. Yeah. She picks up the mirror and she tries to reach through the mirror, but it's a little compact, which is a joke, I think. I think that was adorable. Yeah, I'm trying to get my daddy through this little hole. I can't. <laughs> and there's another puppeted person who is at a bigger mirror who's making noises at that bigger mirror. So that's when she goes to the bigger mirror to get the her dad through, the big anti-god. Anyway, I have something to say about the homeless in this. Okay. I read some article and I know a dude who really likes this movie and he wrote a sort of, it's like a book club but of movies and they did one on Prince of Darkness. He didn't say this. One of the other people in this article, because it's like a round, but they all write a little blurb about it, said that, you know, it's obvious that John Carpenter has something negative to say about homeless or how he feels about the homeless. And I don't think so. When Reagan was the governor, he closed a bunch of mental asylums. Yes. And from that, you the have a boom in California of homeless. Yeah, and that's where you get the trope of crazy homeless person because these people were released and they had nowhere to go but the streets. Yeah, homeless shelters, streets, they didn't necessarily have family. So I think Carpenter might have been influenced by that more than saying homeless people in general are crazy. Right. Because he has a homeless dude be a hero and they live. Yeah. So that's what I got to say about the homeless. I think it's more commentary on the state of mental health facilities. It's, it's just a footnote. It's just mm -hmm. a jumping off point for why those folks might be more susceptible to the influence of the darkness than, you know, the scientists who had to get the Gatorade squirted in their face. <laughs> so I think the approach of how each movie deals with the devil concept, one is through science all the way and it's confusing as all get out because Carpenter wrote the script. Mm -hmm. You know that he used a pseudonym for the writing credit? Yeah. Martin Quartermass. That's the name, isn't it? Yep, because he was a fan of... Quartermass and the Pit? Yes, that's what it is. Quartermass it's not a writer, it's a character. Sorry. Okay. It was a science fiction from the late 50s, early 60s. There were two movies, Quartermass Experiment and Quartermass in the Pit. All right, so I think we're neglecting to talk about one component to this film, which is that weird dream. With It's like a VHS recording yeah. that's supposed to be a transmission from the future. Receiver. We are unable to 
transmitted through conscious neural interference. You are receiving this broadcast as a dream. We are transmitting from the year 1999. You are receiving this broadcast in order to alter the events you are seeing. Our technology has not developed a transmitter strong enough to reach your conscious state of awareness. But this is not a dream. You are seeing what is actually occurring for the purpose of causality violation. This broadcast will be received by the perceptual centers as a dream. But this is not a dream. The future of 19... Oh, excuse me. The future of 1999. What? Yeah. So, that was supposed to have been happening at the same time. And this is one of those uh, particle physics theories that they kept on repeating in the story. Like, it's a transmission from the future as it's happening. Every time they sleep, it's happening. So, there's a person that basically comes through a doorway. And they've been coming through the doorway for a whole day. <laughs> yeah. Because various characters... Or actually, two days or three days. So various characters have now because it's an exhausting work, whatever they're doing. So there's this ominous figure. And by the end of it, our hero lady ends up being the figure. Which right. is implicative of that she is she the, the now being possessed? Right. Is she the reaper? Is she the angel of death? Or did she overcome the dark figure? And goodness prevails. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's really ominous. And those images stick with you when you're watching that film. Prince of Darkness. So what would you say Let Us Pray and Prince of Darkness have in common? I think tonally they're very similar. I think setting-wise being stuck in a singular location with something from within taking people out one by one mm -hmm. and the theme of the devil which is handled completely differently in both. Mm -hmm. But I... I like that they both have leading ladies who... Fortunately, Linda Blount is no longer with us. That's correct. She did pass away. Yeah. And she was cool. There's a movie called Crystal, which we can't talk about on this podcast or any podcast that I have because it's a good movie. And most of the podcasts I guest on or feature on or do aren't about good movies necessarily. <laughs> I mean, sort of they are, but... That is a good movie. You should watch it. It's um, a Billy Bob Thornton vehicle. Yeah, but it's really her show. Mm -hmm. It's her last big awesome and it's really good. And I didn't want to see it. My lady here made me watch it and I did so in duress and I regret that because I should have just watched it and been cool about it and uh, it's well. A, it's a strange southern gothic sort of tale. It's pretty dang good. But that's a digression but still look it up. It's called Crystal. And she was in this movie and so she's a lead here and she's okay. Also what's this thing about strong women these days? No strong women in movies ever before 2000 what 19? I'm joking. That's in the future. I know that's in the future. I'm just saying people have been complaining since forever that there are no strong women, but all I see in the 80s. If you're looking at Buford's Beach Bunnies for a strong woman, you're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> Every slasher that I see has at least one strong woman, and that's yeah. the final girl. She may not make it, but she sure as hell tries. My point is, strong women abound, and Lisa Blunt's character is a strong woman. In fact, she gives up her life, basically, mm -hmm. and she doesn't think twice about it. She thinks, this is an opportunity to stop the thing that's causing all this mess, and she just does it. She just jumps right in, literally. Of course, the twist ending is that the figure's her at the end, but the 
what does that even mean? Is that a twist ending even? What is that? So this movie's great because you got questions all the time. She even gives up her relationship with Simon and Simon. Mm, just Simon. Right. Jameson Parker. Yeah. He's... And his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got himself a doozy of a mustache. So uh, there's that. And the other movie, Let Us Pray, also has a strong woman. It has a terrible woman, but it has a strong woman. Not the same woman. I'm naming two different characters. One's terrible, who thinks she's strong. And she might be physically strong, but she's a bad, bad character. And our lead character is a complicated character who is strong in spite of all the madness around her. Mm -hmm. That's such a strange... Uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around let us pray because she seems like a really righteous character right yeah. and the offer you're talking about yeah the offer at the end it's or does it contradict it see this is the mm -hmm. thing about the devil as the hero which is what i mentioned before we did this podcast if indeed cunningham is the devil the devil that we are told pitchforks hail satan and all this garbage or is it that he's just a guy doing his job collecting souls yeah he wanted their souls but he also wanted them there that he gave them an opportunity to fess up which makes me think that he wasn't going to take that kid's soul or whatever if the kid fessed up the kid was too late sort of thing yeah yeah he missed his opportunity so strong ladies both devil theme both confusing as all get out at certain points both you know i have to say i watched prince of darkness for the first time maybe five years ago mm -hmm. watched it again with you two days ago and on the rewatch i have to admit that it was like i was watching it for the first time like i had no memory whatsoever of this movie at all except a dark figure at some point yeah looming in the doorway right <laughs> so it felt as if i was watching it for the first time and i still didn't quite get it i mean like i didn't get it Honestly, I mean, I did understood what was happening as it was happening, but I didn't really get the story, to be honest. And I don't know, maybe I just wasn't paying full attention. That is part of the clunkiness of the movie. This okay. is why it's the not just me. No, it's not just okay. you. So many people, me, that guy that I mentioned, his name's Liam, not Liam Cunningham, but Liam. So many people understand that this movie, Prince of Darkness, has clunky script moments. Okay, yeah, I, I had to read a synopsis and figure out what happened during the first third of the film. Like, what events occurred that led to the scientists being at this place yeah. with this cylinder? It is a it is a slower film. It takes its time. Also, the score. Again, John Carpenter. Great score. And that's part of the reason why the first third works the way it does. It moves the way it does. I mean, that we can bear with it is because the score. If it had even John Williams, the great John Williams, as they say, <laughs> if it had their music, we would be like, Z. Yeah, that's true. But it's got John Carpenter's music, which has this, it's just perfect. So it just breezes right by. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, you still have to sit with it and try to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I was trying to say is like, I don't know if John Carpenter figured out how to present the ideas, but he had them on paper and he was going to do it anyway. Yeah. And he's got a love it or hate it or like it or a kind of like it movie on his hands. And I like it, but I'm not going to pretend the physics stuff flew over my head many times. Um, this is part of a trilogy of films, is that right? Yes, the, the Apocalypse Trilogy. Yeah, okay. It's The Thing, this movie, and In the Mouth of Madness. 
Yes, that is correct. Okay. Well, you got it on your first try too. Awesome. So those happen to be, I think, three of my favorite movies. This is the last of them. This yep. is my least favorite of those three movies, but I've traced my history of favorite horror movies and the thing is probably number one. I was going to ask your opinion on how well received this film was. It wasn't. Especially compared to the other two. It's it's not. But a lot of people really hate In the Mouth of Madness and they think it's stupid and embarrassing. I love In the Mouth of Madness. I know. It's great. What's not to love? What's not to love? It's crazy. It's nuts. It's great. Okay. But this movie is, I, I don't know, this movie is the most cerebral of all of them. The thing isn't cerebral. The thing does have a scientific approach stuff, but it's not cerebral in that it poses philosophy. In the Mouth of Madness doesn't pose too much philosophy, except for nihilism. Right. And this movie does pose a lot of philosophy and scientific conjecture, which is why it doesn't stick with me. Like, like I can watch it again and again, probably, and again and again. Yeah, it might be one of those that every time you watch it, you get something else out of it. But also, right. every time you watch it, you kind of hate it a little more. <laughs> oh, I hate that they're talking. <laughs> I hate that they're talking and their office for so long about the anti-god. What? What are you doing, Donald Pleasance? Uh, oh, that's pretty cool. Wait, what, what did they just say? Because I'm stupid. I'm stupid. All right, then. That's that's kind of how I feel when I watch this movie. I don't watch it all the time. I've seen it about three times now. But anyway. <laughs> okay, so definitely watch Let Us Pray. Yes. You should probably watch Prince of Darkness if you haven't already. Right. If you have seen it, watch it again. You know what? Tweet us. Tell us we're dummies and nutshell the thing for us to make us feel like we got it or don't. Whatever. Yeah, we're at Vincent Price, L-O-L. -L. Yeah. Or you can go to our Facebook page, yes. which is just search for Vincent. Vincent Price's Laugh. Yep. Or you can email us at Vincent Price's Laugh at gmail.com. Okie dokie. Yeah. Go ahead and email us about anything. Tell us we suck. Tell us why we suck. Tell us we're great. Tell us why we're great so that we can keep doing more of it or stop sucking. So as always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. So until next time. Good night, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by Ouch My Ego. Visit OuchMyEgo.com. I'm trying to get my daddy through this little hole.